Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here today. You're supposed to say good to see you too. I don't know, something like that. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you're here today. And today we're going to be talking about church. And, um, uh, you know, you might think, well, of course, the preacher's going to talk about church. But here's the deal. I'm not, I I don't work for a church. Uh, I'm not for the church because I work for a church. I work for a church because I believe in the church. And it's, you know, as I look back and think about it, there have been so many um, moments in my life that uh, have come within the church or within people of the church. You know, there have been um, difficult conversations that have been had on both sides. You know, some of you are here because um, somebody cared enough to, to tell you that you were heading down the wrong path and you, you changed it and you, uh, you know, those happen within the church and you've been encouraged by people here and and this church or other churches that you grew up in. And, you know, I'll say right up at the beginning that, um, you know, you've also, and I have too, you've been hurt by somebody in the church probably at some point. And uh, there's been somebody that's let you down and somebody that said something to you that they probably shouldn't have or didn't say something to you they probably should. And you've probably been on the other end of that too. And the fact is that the church is made up of people that are uh, imperfect. We're, we're not um, without sin. All of us are sinners and we all make mistakes and, and we all blow it sometimes. And, and that's one of the beautiful things about the church is that, that we can still come together and love each other and love Jesus. And it's really the greatest, you know, when you want to know in your life sometimes, the absence of power is a huge deal. <clears throat> you know, when a couple of years ago, when it got down to in the you know, single digits or below zero, and the power went out, you know, that's all we really thought about for a while is where's the power? And the thing about that is, is that, uh, you know, you can't just walk out in the street and go, hey, there's power all around here. I see all these lines. Why can't I get some? You got to get plugged in somewhere to find that kind of power. And so I want us to talk today about the church. I want you to see um, how that can affect your life. This is not another, hey, you know, you need to be a part of the church. This is more about, hey, this is why you need to be a part of the church. You know, I can't imagine, honestly, at this point in my life, not being a part of a church. Um, I, I would not, for any reason, um, stop going to church. It's, it's where uh, God's taught me and shown me so many things through the years. And if he hasn't you, it's just not yet. And uh, I want to encourage you in that. But Today we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 19 through 23, and if you'd please turn there in your Bible, uh, the verses will also be on the screen, so if you'd please stand with me uh, in honor of the reading of God's Word. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills fills all things everywhere 
with himself. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the first thing that those passages talk about is the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. And then in the end is the secret or the source where that, where that power comes to the earth and where we can access it. Now, we all have the Holy Spirit. We all have, you know, if you, if you know Jesus, if you're saved, you have a relationship with Jesus. But we also know that there's a great power that comes within the church, and that's what um, that Scripture is talking about. And that, the first part of that power comes from a purpose that is given to the church. And that's given to all of us individually, but it's manifested through the church. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I want you to remember that phrase, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that's what's called the Great Commission. And that is the great mission of the church is to go and to take the good news everywhere, to take the good news and to make disciples. And so there's a twofold part for a church, and that is, number one, to tell people about Jesus, to tell them how to be saved, to reach out to a lost world that doesn't know Christ. And then the second part of that is, once they're saved, is to provide a place and, and an opportunity to, to disciple people. And a disciple is someone that follows after or is committed to the teachings, who wants to become like ultimately their master, who is Jesus. And you know what? There are churches we do sometimes well in that, sometimes not so well. Our church actually, I think, does pretty well with it. Could we be better? Sure. Could we be better at discipling people? Absolutely. But there's all kinds of discipleship that goes on through relationships that are formed in this church. If you're a disciple of someone, you have a relationship with them. That's one of the big parts. And within the church, there's all kinds of relationships that are built, whether it's through small groups, through men's groups, women's groups, um, all kinds of different ways that we build relationships with people. And in those relationships, we invest our lives in other people, and we encourage and we teach and we, we, we show people how to live and to follow Christ. That's the essence of discipleship. When Jesus called his, quote, disciples, he said, come follow me. And they followed after him, and they learned from him, and they, they lived life with him over a course of three years. They saw what he was like all the time. And in the end, they became his messengers to go out in the world and tell them about Jesus. And so our purpose is to tell people about Jesus and to disciple people. And if you notice, that happens when Jesus says, I've been given all authority, therefore. And that's another part, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but authority is essential in the church. It's, a, it's essential when following Jesus, and it's essential in the church, and it's essential in your life. Now, the second thing that, that is part and parcel of the church is in Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. 
Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what is that attitude, and what is it that it's talking about here? It's having a purpose greater than ourselves, and that is an opportunity that we have within the church, is to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. Now, we all should be telling people about Jesus, right? We all should be telling people about uh, discipleship, about how to follow Christ. But when you come and you are a part of a church, not only are you a part of what's happening in, in your life, and that's part of the church, but you're being a part of what's going on everywhere. We send money, we send tens of thousands of dollars to missionaries all around the world every year. As a matter of fact, our, our church for several years has given more per capita than any other church in our area that goes to missions. That money goes directly to other believers who go to other parts of the world and share the gospel. And as part of a church, you have a part in that. And when you give to the church, a percentage of every dollar that you give goes to missionaries overseas. And so that's one of the ways that we can be a part of things that are bigger than ourselves. A percentage of everything you give goes to uh, the Center of Hope, where we help people in our area that um, may have temporary or, or long-term needs when it comes to food or to counseling or helping to find a job. So some of your money goes there. We send money to a church plant in Colorado. We send money to a, a couple of church plants here in Texas where they're starting a church. Some of y'all have been on a mission trip to one of those places lately. We've sent some, some folks there. And so that's one of the ways that we are able to be a part of things that are greater than ourselves and that we're able to do as a church. We do outreaches here locally. We try to minister to the poor. We try to share the good news with people. And we can do those things together better than we can do them by ourselves. And that's part of the joys of being part of a church. And, and one of the things that, that comes from that is being willing sometimes to sacrifice what we want and the way that we want things for the good of others. And that's when you have a, a church family that's the size that ours is. And size, actually, if you have five believers in a room, you got 10 different opinions. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we all got opinions. Am I right? I want it this way. I want it that way. But when we come together as a church, we put aside some of those things for the greater good. We do things that are for other people. That's one of the, the, the parts of being a church is that we exist for people that aren't here yet. And we do that collectively so that we can be a part of reaching people for Christ. And you know what? When we baptize people, we baptize two in the early service. And earlier this year, we had a, a service where we baptized, I think it was 40-something people. You're a part of that. You get to be a part of that. I, I, I've never been out by myself and in one day led 40-something people to Christ and baptized them by myself. If you, if you have, I'd like to talk to you after the service. We'll find a place of service for you here in the church, all right? But we're able to do those things and be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. That's one of the blessings of a church. And then the, the last part is one of the hard things. It says in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The way we love each other proves to the world that we belong to Jesus. And you know what? That might be the hardest of all the tasks. Am I right? 
Come on, admit it. Just look around at people around you and just think in your mind, some of you people are kind of hard to love sometimes. Just go ahead, think it. Just remember, they're looking at you thinking the same thing. Same thing for me. And you know what? That's one of the, the beautiful things about a church is that, that we're able to come together and love each other. It doesn't mean we agree on everything. I mean, you got Aggies and Longhorns in here right now. It's happening right now. And yet we're worshiping God together. And we can learn to put aside some of those things and, and because we're bound together by something that is greater than our differences. And we can love each other even when we don't agree. Or even when we go, you know, I wouldn't do it that way, but I love you. And the way that we love each other, the way that we take care of each other, shows the world that we belong to Jesus. And you know what? There's, my, my wife and I nearly our entire lives have lived more than, the closest we ever lived to, to either one of our parents was a couple hours until Mama Jan and, you know, then moved into the area. And that was, unfortunately, for a short time. But for the rest of our, our married life, my wife and I, our parents have lived hours away. And so the church has been our family. I mean, this has been where we've come. And I know it's that, that way for many of you, is that you, you've, the, the church is a family. And this is where we, we love each other and we encourage each other and, and, and we share life together. And that's one of the privileges of being able to love one another in the fellowship of a church. Now, the form of a church, there's different kinds of, some people have this form and that form or whatever, but there's, there's similarities. And there are a couple of different examples used in Scripture where Jesus talks about or the, that Paul talks about this is like the church. But really the, the, the prevalent one is that of a, of a human body. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And see, we're different for a reason. If we were all the same, what a boring group we'd be. But it's because we're different. We have different gifts. We have different abilities that we're able to function together. And you know, there's a reason why Paul used that illustration of a body. You know, when you're cut off from the body, if you cut a limb off, it's dead. It dies. It can't live on its own. And the thing about it is, is that God created us to live in relationship with each other. And you know what? <clears throat> I hear all the time, well, you know, I don't go to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites down there. If somebody says that to you, just say, yeah, you're right. We're a bunch of hypocrites. But come on, we got room for you too. Look, all the, there's nobody in here that's 100% free of hypocrisy. There's not one of us in here that doesn't do things that we know we're not supposed to do. And there's not one of us in here that does things or doesn't, how do I want to say this, that knows we should do things and we don't do them. 
That's called being a hypocrite. Okay? And so here's the deal. The only person that's free of hypocrisy that's ever walked this earth is Jesus. The rest of us, we're all sinners. We all blow it. And so this whole deal about, well, just because somebody's imperfect down there, I ain't going to church. That's just an excuse. It is, really is just an excuse. Or here's, here's my favorite one. Well, you know what? I can, I can just, you know, I can worship God out in the woods or out in blah, 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 or wherever. You can and you should. But the Bible also says you shouldn't forsake the gathering together. That's a command in Scripture, is that we ought to be apart. And, and here's something I want you, want, to, want you to understand. Anytime the church is used, in that first verse I, uh, I read to you, where it talked about the church, it was kind of talking about all, all those who are believers. There's only one or two places where it's talking about the church as in all believers. Nearly every single time the word church is used, it's talking about a local body of believers. Okay? And there's a reason for that. Number one, we function better together. And number two, when you separate yourself from the body, you are number one, you're going to die spiritually. You're not going to grow. You're not going to thrive. Anybody ever seen a hand walking around by itself? You know, going up to a car, opening the door, getting in, driving off, going to work? No, because that's not how it works. And it doesn't work for us spiritually either. The other part of that is, is we become more open to deception. Isolation breeds deceit. Okay? The more you're isolated from other believers, the more deceit creeps into your mind. The more you hear something, you go, well, that sounds good, I like it. And there's nobody to help correct you. You know, Everybody in this room has probably had some idea. We thought, oh my gosh, this is a world-changing idea. I'm going to make millions of dollars off that idea. And then we finally told it to a friend, and they go, are you crazy? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Staff tells me that on occasion. And I'm thankful. Somebody tells me, hey, that's a dumb idea. Don't do that. Because sometimes we don't know on, in our, on our own when something's a bad idea. I mean, I... One of the things we've watched through the years at different times has been American Idol. Have you ever watched that show? And man, they used to bring in, the first few weeks we're all bringing in people and humiliating them on national television. I mean, they'd bring people in there, and I remember thinking many times, do these people have no friends who are coming in here? Because they come and talk about, oh, I'm going to be the next American Idol. I'm, and they get up there, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. My dog howling sounds better than that. And you just wondered, did they not have somebody in their life that could say, don't go on that show. Don't sing in front of people like ever, ever. You shouldn't do that. You need people to tell you sometimes, hey, this is a bad idea. Don't do this. And when you are separated from the people that love you and can tell you the truth, you're going to get deceived at some point. Man, there are lots of false teachers out there. There's lots of false teaching. And you see people falling for it all the time. Because here's what they, they, they're drawn to. They're drawn to the promise of the power of Jesus without the accountability and without the commitment of being a part of a church. And it never works. You don't get power without authority and without commitment. And that's the next part. Authority is, a, is an essential part of following Christ. Number one, I tell people every time we share the gospel, which we'll do later today, and that is that you must, that if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, 
You confess with, the, with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You've got to submit to authority right from the beginning. And authority is a big part of the church, and it's a big part of your life, whether you recognize or realize it or not. You see, there's all, everybody in this room, there are things in life that you're, you should have authority over. You should have authority over them. But the only way to have authority over the things you're supposed to have authority over is to be under the authorities you're supposed to be under. Now, we're going to start out with Jesus. Matthew 16, 16 through 19. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Over and over again, Jesus told the disciples, hey, I'm only doing what my Father tells me to do. I'm under his authority. Whatever God tells me, that's what I do. I don't do any more. I don't do any less. I do exactly what the Father tells me. And then there are places where he even tried it out. He said, all right, I'm going to send you out, and I'm going to give you this authority. He could give authority to others because it had been given to him. You remember that first, the first, second verse I read to you where it said that Jesus came and said, all authority has been given to me. It's given from God. It was given to him because he submitted to the authority of his father. That even though he was God in the flesh, he over and over again said, not my will, but your will be done. He said, I'm under God's authority. I speak what he tells me to speak. And then he passed that down to the church. The church has been given the authority. The church has been given the promise that the, king, the powers of hell will not conquer it. Okay? That's to the church. Now, when you are under that authority, you have that authority. The kingdom of hell cannot conquer you. But here's the thing about authority. Once you get out from under authority, authority is about protection and it is about power. When you get out from under God's authority, then guess what happens? You're all of a sudden not in authority over the things you're supposed to be in authority over. Because that's how authority works. You don't get to be in authority unless you're under authority. That authority comes from Jesus. Colossians 1.18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. So here's the thing. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of this church. But he also has appointed and given or called people to be in authority over the church, the local church here, and other churches as well. And so if you want to be to fully experience that power that is promised that comes through the church, you've got to be under the authorities you're supposed to be under. So you can't say, well, you know, I just do my own thing. And I'm going to go, you know, about my business, but I, I, hey, I'm in authority here. This is what, you know, I'm claiming this, I'm claiming that. you got to be under authority to be in authority. And that happens in a local church. You know, we meet with people all the time, and this is not a, here's something I want to tell you right now. There are certain, there are, we have a process to be a member of the church. It's not a hard thing. But there are people who say, well, I just don't get why I need to be a member of the church, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. 
Here's the deal. If you want to be a member of the church, we will sit down with you and go through, and it's really simple about this is what you do. It's not complicated. And if you're willing to, you want to be a part of this church, this is what you do. But if you choose not to, and you're like, well, we still want to come to church, we're not going to run you off, but we're also not going to give you any authority because that's not how it works. If you want to be like, hey, I'd really like to help lead that ministry. Nope, you got to be under authority to be in authority. And if you refuse to be under authority, we're not going to give you authority. You see how that works? That works in your personal life. If you're not going to be under God's authority, the authority of the Word of God, if you're not going to be under the authority that you're supposed to be in in church, you're going to have problems being in authority in your regular life. That's how it works. This is not a, hey, I want all y'all to join the church. Some of y'all need to. Just saying. You've been dating the church long enough. I mean, some of you've been, you know, you've been engaged for years now. It's time to put a ring on it and move on. Now, here's the other part. If you're like, well, I can't do that. I'm not doing it the way I want to do it. Then I'm telling you this in love. I intend, I'm not trying to get rid of you. You want to keep coming here, fine. But go somewhere where you can submit to the authorities of that church and be involved in it. I want that for you because I know how important it is for your life. And if it's not here, okay, I'm fine with that. But go somewhere and be in authority. Be under authority so that you can be in authority. Okay? I'm getting a little fired up. Just another drink there. To... All right. The reason I'm, listen, I'm telling you this. This is important. You get what I'm saying? This matters. It matters in your everyday life. If for some reason God stopped, said it was time for me to be done or whatever, or for whatever reason, I would continue to be a member of a church the rest of my life because I, I'm not going to get out from underneath that authority. I'm not going to get out from, away from the, the, me, the method that God has planned to teach me, mold me, disciple me, love me, and hold me accountable. And so... That's where the, that authority comes from. The thing about authority is you see people that try to take authority who won't be under authority, but authority can't be taken. It has to be given. Jesus said it first. All authority has been given to me. Jesus didn't come down here and say, hey, I've taken all the authority. It was given to him by God. And then the church gives authority. People who are in authority give authority. If you're the... the a parent in your home and you have children, you're in authority over your children, you may give them authority. Hey, I want you to go in, take this money and go buy this. But it's a totally different deal if they try to just take the money out of your wallet and go buy it on their own, ain't it? You, you give authority. It can't be taken. And so here's the thing. Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas, they had been given authority over the church by the church. You, you read through Acts and the New Testament and over and over again, even Paul Barnabas, Peter, all of them submitted to the authority of the elders who were over the church. They would gather together as a council, and they submitted to whatever the council told them. Whatever the elders told them, they submitted to it. Because that's how it works. Even Paul didn't come down saying, hey, this is how it is now. Y'all got to do it my way or the highway. He submitted himself to the authorities of the church. Paul and Barnabas, having been given authority by the church, Appointed, also appointed elders in every church. They were given authority to go out and to start churches 
And when they got there, they appointed elders. They gave authority. Because they weren't going to stay there, so they gave it to other people to do it for them. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. In 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. You know, here's something that happened to me a long time ago when I was a young man. I started feeling like maybe God was calling me to be a a pastor, a minister. And I spoke to my pastor about it. He said, you know what? He said, I I, I agree. I I think I I see God's hand on you. And so they observed me over the period, not, not over days or weeks, but months and years. And then they brought together a council, not only from my church, it's the way they did at the time, of men who were ordained, who had been set aside for the gospel ministry. Some of them were from my church, some of them were from others. And they examined me and examined my life. They even asked me at one point, you know, they would ask things like, do you tithe? And one of the men who, were, who was in there was also the guy who ran the books. And he said, I can testify that he tithes. I was, I was a little surprised by that. But anyway, that people would notice or whatever. I've tried to live by that ever since. But one of the things they did, they asked me all kinds of questions about what I believed about this, how I saw about this. They delved into my life. And then at the end of that time, they said, hey, we believe that God is calling you. You know, a call comes from God to an individual. But it's important that the church verifies that and that the church stands behind that calling. Otherwise, it's just somebody saying something. And so because of that, those men... We had an ordination service, and they came up and they laid hands on me like it says scripturally, like it says with Timothy. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. They set him apart for the ministry. And so I've sought my whole life to be under authority, but also to have those around me that backed up that authority. And so that's an important part. And that's something that can only be arrived at through the church. You know, when you see, be very careful about someone who says, oh yeah, God's called me to do this. There should be confirmation of that through others who are in authority, through people who are in the church. Find out what's behind. Okay, I see you say that you're, you know, you're under God's authority and that you're doing this on his authority. Who's behind you? Where, where's that authority Where's that authority backed up here on this earth? And so that happens. It happens. That's true for me as a pastor. It's true for every Bible study leader, every ministry leader, is that we as a church, those who are in authority, have said, yes, we, see God, we think God's calling them to do this ministry or to, to be a help in this ministry, to be on the men's ministry team or the women's ministry or to, to work in the children's area or to, to, to teach a small group Bible study. That authority that they have is from God. God called them to do it, but the church backs that up through those who say, yeah, I think they can do that. I believe God's hands on them to do that. That's how authority works. So if you want to be in a position of authority, you got to be under authority. And I've seen people come through and ask me, you know, hey, how can I 
get to where I do your job. And I say, <laughs> yeah, okay, here it is. Give your entire life to it. And start out by one to do the, the least jobs. Things nobody else wants to do. And let people see the hand of God in your life. And grow spiritually. Submit to other people's authority. And let them teach you. Let them mold you. Let them see you. Let them delve into area, every area of your life. Now, most of them have already hit the door by that point. <laughs> True story. But occasionally, people move on with that. But that's what it takes. And that's how not only can you trust the authority, but you can trust who is in authority. And that's how it works. So authority is not taken, it is given. And that same thing is true for each one of us. God has given you authority over certain things in your life, but to fully realize that, you must be under authority. Authority is also accountability. We're accountable to one another. I'm not just, I don't get to just, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. There are people that hold me accountable spiritually. There are people that tell me if I'm wrong or they think I'm wrong. There are people that question things, and they should. There should be that kind of accountability. It says in Ephesians 5.21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, here's one of the big questions I'm going to have for you. Let's say you come up and say, you know, I think God's calling me to start this ministry or do this or whatever. Okay, that's awesome. Who are you submitting to right now? Who are you submitting to? And if the answer is nobody, then I'm not interested. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you know, we've all got to submit to somebody. Unless you want to be your own God. I don't advise that. I've tried it before and it didn't work very well. I'm not a very good God. I'm not very good about being able to see down the road and know uh, the hidden things behind everything. I, let me tell you what I, what I think I am good at, and that's just doing the next thing God told me to do and focusing on that. Sometimes I've done that wrong. Sometimes I've done it poorly. Sometimes I've blown it and not done what I was supposed to do. But that's what I've focused on doing my entire life is just doing the next thing God told me to do. And that's being under authority. And I've had people at times say, hey, you're not doing that right. Okay, what do, how do I do it right? I've learned from people within the church. I learned when I was a kid. I learned when I was a young man. And I'm still learning as a not quite so young man. Because that's the way it works. That's what a church is for. The accountability even comes, you know, for those, like you asked about what accountability I have. Well, here's one of them. Timothy 5, 19 through 22. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. And you think, oh, well, you know, you got a little protection there, but then here's the next part. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. You see, there's, there's something that I know, and I'm not... Ask anybody to feel sorry for me, it's part of the deal. But there are certain things if I did, it would be a big deal. Because it might disqualify me from ministry, in which case everyone would have to know. And so I wouldn't, I, I can't, some failures I can't fail privately. 
And I can't just turn around, and that's part of the deal. And I accept that, and I understand it. And honestly, it's, it's, it's also helped. Because I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. So I, 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 I want to please my Lord and Jesus Christ first. But I also don't want to let down the people that I love. I don't want to let down my family. And you know what? That's, that's part of the beauty of accountability. It's not just that somebody is going to call you out when you're wrong. It's that you don't want to let down people that you care about and that love you. That's a church. That's who we are. And that's part of what makes us better together than we are by ourselves. So this is not meant to be a, a, an exhaustive teaching on what the church is. I'll talk about it later in some weeks, and I'll even talk more specifics about our church and what we're going to do going down the road in the future. But I wanted you to, you know, I am passionate about the church. And it's not because I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I'm passionate about the church. I'm passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus. I'm passionate about people being part of a family and of an organism that can do greater things together than we can do alone. There's nothing greater. There honestly is, you know, I remember uh, I talked to you about learning from people. There was a guy that was on, he was a pastor that I knew a long time ago, and he said, you know what, if they asked me to be governor of the state, I wouldn't do it, it'd be a step down. And I thought, well, what do you mean by that? I thought that was kind of a weird statement, but I understand what it means now. And what it means is there's no organization in the world that's more important than the church. None. There's no government. There's, there's nothing that is more important than the church. We have been given the Great Commission to take out life-changing words to people, to model the love of God, encourage one another to lift one another up for, to do things that we can only do together and that can only be done with the power of God that comes when believers are united and are together. 1 Corinthians 1.10, the last verse I'm going to read to you. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. There is nothing in your life that is greater than the opportunity to do that, to be united in one thought and one purpose with other believers that are following God and are working for the kingdom. It is the greatest privilege on earth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? You know, to be a member of a church, you've got to be a member of the body of Christ, and that is, first and foremost, that relationship with Jesus. And so I'm not asking you today if, how many times you, how committed you are to church or how many times you've been or what you know about God. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? And if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to tell you how to begin a relationship with Christ today. And you, you may be thinking, well, i got to go fix this. You, you don't. You come to Jesus as you are. 
And all of us come the same way as sinners in need of a Savior. And the first thing you got to know is, and the first thing you got to do is admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. And all of us have to come to Jesus like that. You can't go fix your own sin. Only Jesus can fix it. The second thing is you got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just a guy, wasn't just a great leader, a teacher. He was God's son, God in the flesh. He lived on this earth without sin. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine so that our sins could be wiped out and forgiven. Then he rose on the third day to prove that he was who he said he was and that he has power over death and life. You got to believe in Jesus. The third thing is you got to confess him as Lord. That comes back to that authority part we talked about. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so here's what I want to ask you. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, but you'd like to, I'd love to lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, you have peace with God, and that you'll be His forever in heaven, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me, or you can pray it in your own words. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But pray it with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me, and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Give me of my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer today, look up at me, okay? All right? Okay. See you. Just keep looking until I see you. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you tell someone. If you came to your parents, tell them as soon as church is over, hey, I, I asked you some in my heart. And ask them to contact either our youth pastor or one of our children's pastors, and they'd love to sit down with you and answer any questions and walk you through it for your folks. If you'd like to speak to a minister, if you'd like to talk to someone about it, I'd encourage you to contact one of us. We would love to answer any questions and talk to you about the next steps. There's a number on the screen that you can text. I did it to that number. And we'd love to get with you and, and talk to you about your relationship with Jesus. We don't want anything from you. We're not gonna ask anything from you. We just wanna help. It's important that you tell someone John will be here at the front of the service here in just a few minutes after he dismisses us with prayer. And we'd love to talk to you today if you'd like to do that. Or if not, just get in touch with us and let us know when we can. The decision you made to follow Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. And you are now his. You belong to him. 
and that can never change. I want to pray for you. I pray for each of us as we seek to move forward and follow him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. Thank you for those that made a decision today to trust you as their Savior and Lord. Father, help them find the right church, whether that's here or somewhere else, where they can be discipled and they can grow in their walk with you. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.